Today's episode is brought to you by the Vegas Beer Guys and the Sounds and Cinema Podcast. Everything sequel contains explicit language. And why the fudge not, you melon farmer? Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast. This is the House Party Edition. Today we talk House Party 3. Michael Schantz here of the How Dare You Awards. Joining me, the man grabbing the mic. Uh, maybe his jammy jams. I don't know. Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. Say hi, Tom. It's one o'clock. Do you know where your testicles are? <laughs> All right. That's Showboat. Showboat, yeah. Who, for me, owns the comedy of this film. Okay. I I, I was going to... So, it's so funny you say that, because I was going to... You seem to intimate on our ranking episode that, you know, this movie made you laugh a lot. Did? And I was wondering... I didn't intimate that. (laughs) You said it outright. (laughs) There's a recording of me saying it. (laughs) And uh, and I was I was racking my brain. I thought I th- I think a lot of the humor in this movie uh, lands flat. Hmm. Uh, but I'll give it I'll give it up for Showboat. Showboat's funny. And even when it does land flat, and I, I'll I'll concede to that. I think you know it's it's funny people doing it. It's people who are who are who are capable doing yeah. it. Like no, you know, it's not it's not the best Bernie Mac performance I've ever seen. Okay, but it's Mer- but it's Bernie Mac doing it. True. So you're already ahead of the game. Fine. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, the news is not good for you, friend. There are only ten percent or ten reviews on Rotten Tomatoes for House Party Three, your favorite of the sequels. It's but not it's... my favorite of the sequels. Oh, did you? You listed yeah. this at the top. I keep telling you this, and you keep not listening. <laughs> House Party Two was is still the top of my list. I said, oh, right, I said this. I said it's very close between these two films. Okay, fine. So while your overall point is well taken, <laughs> I feel like I do have to fight you on you know the facts. <laughs> Of the matter, I'm trying. I'm trying to dig a deeper hole for you than yeah, you deserve. This is like a. It's like an attack ad. <laughs> exactly right. In an, in ele- Tom Stewart <laughs> says the house party. Is it election the, season? My the God, House Party Three is his favorite movie of the series. <laughs> no, I don't. I haven't said that. It made him laugh. Dot dot dot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, it does have 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. Zero? What? Yeah. How's that possible? That's never happened before. Well, like I said, I can only find 10 reviews of it, but all 10 do not like it. Wait a minute, wait a minute. This is this is news to me that anything could get 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. What's the... Oh, well. Is that be- if you don't have enough Stay tuned reviews- for our next episode. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, that if you'd have presented it to me in association with that film, I would have less fewer questions. Okay. But as it stands, 
if you don't get enough reviews, does that mean you get a zero? Or are all these people who are reviewing it saying zero percent? They're all saying it's a bad movie. Right, but all ten, all ten reviews. I don't think you know how Rotten Tomatoes works. No, they I don't. don't. Clearly, <laughs> it's not. It's not. Each person gets to say, no. Uh, what percentage do you give the movie? But how how do you come up with zero percent when all people that have reviewed it have reviewed it poorly, which is what happened. Okay. Well, it still doesn't make sense to me. How did Terminator Salvation get 5% then? Because just a lot of people did it and raised the average. Yeah, I mean, you know, if it had a if it had 100 views, five people said, hey, good movie. Okay. Well, now, now, now I can understand that because that sounds like Family Feud now. And I, I understand That's... the concept of that, of that, <laughs> this of has the way been... they do things. This has been the, this is how math works portion of the Everything Sequel podcast. I still don't really understand what you're saying, but you said something that sounded like Family Feud. So All right. Now I'm just, I'm just thinking that they, they asked a hundred people what they thought of House Party Three, and they, well, said, they asked, ah, ah. they asked ten, and ten said it's shite. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Well, I mean, as I, you're flabbergasted. I'm flabbergasted. Look, I don't. I, I sometimes I genuinely, and this is you know, has historically been true with me. Sometimes I don't understand what people are looking for when they mm-hmm. go into a movie, and this is a prime example of this. Like it, this seems to me like a really solid entertainment package for the for this material, which, by the way, all right, is is you know by made by and for comedians, musicians, and dancers. Right. This is a perfectly appropriate vehicle for that. For me. All right. I like. I, I liked I it. Like I like. I'm, I'm on you... the. I'm on the side of everyone else. I liked it far less. There are things uh, yeah. in it that I appreciate, sequel wise. Oh, but... I mean, but you're not. You're not one of the zero percenters. Well, you no. Can't... I would. I would give the film a negative review. I would say. Well, not but below. This is zero? not it. I have said this is not a good movie. But so yeah, but you, you, you would give it something, right? You would. <laughs> that's, that's not how Rotten Tomatoes works, for fuck's sake. But now you're talking about <laughs> negative. So can people give like negative, negative fifty percent? Is that what happened? <laughs> no, there's no percentage for each individual. All right. It is a fucking average. It's they take them all. But all right, I'm I I know I know. If we that added I'm out, our listen, two reviews. I know that I'm out of my depth here. Okay, <laughs> but I'm gonna say I also don't think that the people who run Rotten Tomatoes are the same as like Nate Silver. <laughs> I don't think they've got the same handle on statistics that you know Five Thirty Eight has. Fine. So. Let's 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 not pretend that, that they've got their you know that they've figured it all out. Either. All right. <laughs> More than me, sure, but that's a low bar. <laughs> all right, I'm moving on. Yeah, we, this... we need to we need to move on because I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna suddenly understand math in the next five minutes. So <laughs> how else? <laughs> 
<laughs> House Party 3 is a 1994 movie directed by Eric Metza or Meza. I don't know. No, I don't know either. He has mostly directed music videos and something okay. called The Breaks. Uh, I could not find These a budget. The breaks. Yeah, I guess. Break give me it a up, break. Break it up, break it up. I've, I mentioned give me a break once before during our Bad News Bears episodes. Nell Carter, you, you, everyone. You know how you talk about how you're musically illiterate? <laughs> yes. And I suspect, I strongly suspect that you're not. Did you even, <laughs> do you even know what I was talking about then? With the, when I said the breaks, the breaks, break it up, break it up. No. Okay. Yeah, you went straight to give me a break. Yeah, that's a, what I thought a, of. Give me a break. Sitcom? Yeah. Like a starring starring Nell Carter, goddammit. Someone from the Bad News Bears Breaking Training. That's where I know it from. Dolph. What did I say his name was? Dolph something? Sweetheart? Not Sweetheart. Dolph something. No. <laughs> anyway, I could not find a budget on House Party 3, but I'll tell you its opening weekend was $6.8 million, and in the USA and the world... It gathered $19.2 million, like all of these movies apparently do. <laughs> no, this is fabricated. 19. You can't have, you can't have one, bud, one budget and box office for, for multiple movies. It's fraud. 19.4 on the last one, on a $6 million, no, on a $5 million budget. How this movie spent $1.8 more million than the last one is beyond me. I assume just for its two stars and their salary. Yeah, I don't. I I'm. I, I don't know. Because this movie doesn't look as good as the last one. I'll tell you that much. I don't. I don't think. That, again, I don't think there's any discern. You. I don't think there's much of a discernible difference between the the two movies at that level. You were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is gonna be fun. Well, we've already had, you know, we we, we already, we've already had uh, the, there wasn't, well, no, we agreed that the difference between four and five is slicker version of the same bullshit. Yeah. I argue there's something similar here. It's just there's two different sides of the same coin. No, I, I, I you really. Want, you want to make a house party sequel, you either do a, you know, something worthy and sincere or you ham it up and make this. Both are equally valid to me. If I, I like thought one, that the, another one's slightly better, but I don't think it, this is less. If I thought than the that. ham in this one was as funny as apparently you do, then I think I'd agree with you. But <laughs> there probably is a lot of ha- actual ham in it as well. Yes, <laughs> some of the characters are butchers. So right, <laughs> but I find those butchers not at all funny. The concept also, is funny. This is what I mean. Like the the, the this, this movie's got some good even when it, it falls flat, it's got some good comedic ideas. No, yeah, I'll give you that. I guess part of my problem is I like, you know, by the time we get to the end of this movie when they're not going to serve any food unless they get the rest of their payment, my note was didn't they get all their money <laughs> in that previous scene a third of the way through the movie? They took all of Kid and Play's money. They gave them the money, not a deposit, all the money. Okay. I don't remember <laughs> it being that clear cut. Oh, Who, man. who are you going to believe? <laughs> uh, 
the words coming out of your mouth or my brain. Yeah. We, you're going to have to sign up for the Patreon, everybody, to get to our amazing Spider-Man cold open or not cold open argument. <laughs> well, and eventually we, we realized that we were both wrong. <laughs> or both right. No, we were both wrong because we, there were no, there were no, eventually no titles. I still have to look it up. No, it's never going to happen. <laughs> I'm going to do that tonight. <laughs> this is where this is where sort of Ron Howard narration would come in. Cause Mike yeah. didn't do that tonight. <laughs> the number of things I say to you that I'm going to do today, the second we get off, and then don't do. <laughs> the list is long. Yeah. Yeah, I'll get that artwork done immediately. You I'll send no, it right over. Listen, listen, you I, I will not accept this. You're you're a you're a grafter. <laughs> well, my first note is that we start with another dream. That is pretty much my well, so my very, very first note is that is how unfortunate the font and the colour for the titles are, because it makes the movie look like it's the product of an adult superstore. Right. <laughs> um, but the, my, my, my second note is the same of yours. We're back in a nightmare, which makes me wonder if the if the original House Party begins with a nightmare. That's, that was exactly what I thought. The same because exact otherwise, thing. Because otherwise, why... What the would, hell's going on otherwise? Why would they keep doing this for every movie? Right. But it also tonally as well, it's the same problem where you've got this kind of flat, muddy opening mm-hmm. to a movie called House Party. Yeah, <laughs> right. You're you right. Know, uh, yeah, and there's so much to take in so quickly here. Yeah, there's a lot going on, especially, you know, because you're playing catch up. Because, Gee, boy, are you? Yeah, kids, kids, waking up to a woman that we do not know. <laughs> well, even before that, even during the dream, yeah, we've you're, got a yes, lot to you're... a lot of we've got a lot to contend with. Kids' new hair, primarily. Yes, correct. Um, new girlfriend, as you mm-hmm. said. The credits are rolling at this point, so you, so you 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 know TLC are going to be in the movie, and they're going to play a band that isn't called TLC, right? Uh, so there's cognitive dissonance there, and then <laughs> Tisha Arnold is going to make a special appearance, and as soon as they announce the special appearance, there she is on screen. So <laughs> her appearance is both announced, and then it happens. So this is a this is um hard to keep up with. I also months. wrote that there's a couple rape question mark. Couple rape question mark is that? I don't know. I just wrote couple rape question mark. Is that in the oh. dream? Are they as a couple about to be I raped? Think, I, I think I think he's sort of trying to pressure into having sex in the morning, but. I, oh, that's what know. it was. Because yeah, yeah he ends and that I, with I, saying I, my balls are blue. Right, and I, while I while I wouldn't go so far as couple rape, I would say I don't like this new sexually confident and assertive version of kid. Yeah, but I have to accept it because the, the you know it's it's a few years later and he's maturing. He's grown so, up. Yeah, so it's kind of got to happen, but I just don't I just don't like looking at it. 
Right. You know, we we talked in previous episodes how much Kid is like a human cartoon, and you know, you don't want right. to see your human cartoon with with blue balls. <laughs> I think I think that's one of the reasons this movie rubbed me the wrong way because so much of the humor relies on male kind of bullshit. Uh, you know, starting right at the top with, "Hey, you gotta finish me off. My balls are blue. That's not nice." And what are you but, doing, but, getting married yeah. and fuck women and you can't. Yes, but the women are far better represented than they are in in House Party Two. All right. They're right. way more. They're way more active. There's more of them in traditionally male roles than we've seen before. I'll give you in, that. In the last film, so it's counterbalanced to some extent. Not to say there there aren't a, a ton of issues, but actually, I I thought this movie did quite well in in representing women. It's not it's not not objectifying them. But it's right. giving them a voice and an active presence. Um, it was so but... prevalent through all male conversations in the movie that it just started to bum me out. Yeah, yeah, no, I that that I certainly agree with, and and that and that sort of triggers other, you know, bigotries and inequalities like you know yeah. size sizeism and homophobia size. and transphobia and yeah. all of um, that is present in this movie and it's bigger, like, you know it's those are the bigger representational issues in the movie i'd say yeah. I, I think the the gender the gender balance is generally pretty good throughout all right um but as we open <laughs> we now are going to understand that Kid is in a relationship. He's getting married. Right. Like you said, he is now, he, I don't know if he graduated college or not, but he is a grown-up. He has it, a it job. It never happened. As far as this movie's concerned, it never happened. Yeah, you're right. The timelines don't add up. Because he, you know, he when he and uh, Play get together, one of the first things they talk about is how they've been doing this music thing for a while. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, so... <laughs> That's not possible if you graduated college, because it's like four years True. later. Yeah, and presumably his course is like three, at least three years. Mm-hmm. So I mean, a year a year is not a while to be doing. The the only way the only way it works out is if he was doing both simultaneously. But but that but then then the last movie is also redundant because it's very clear you have to do one or the other. You can't do both. Like that's, that's the true. entire tension that's of the true. movie. So whatever whichever way you slice it, House Party Two doesn't exist in continuity. All right, I won't accept <laughs> it. Um, maybe it was part of the night. Maybe it was the first part of the nightmare that we see at the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know how you know in dream time is is different because you're only you're only actually dreaming a few seconds before you wake up but it feels like it goes on for hours and forever yeah agreed (laughs) and so we pick up our nephews at the airport right uh well yeah and before that we we uh have one of our many many cameos yeah. The first kind of big one for me being Gilbert Gottfried, who's playing a, yes. an airport attendant. And he's coming in hot. As, oh, as, you would, as he, as he yeah. normally would. Yes. Yeah, there, there was, uh, 
I like I I like to think this was the first and only take. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Because that would make me very happy. Um, you know, whichever way it went down, whether he wouldn't do another one or they thought it was perfect, because I agree on both counts. Yes, exactly. There's no need to do that. There's no need to do this more than once. We get the idea. I feel the same for Beverly Hills You're Cop You're loud too. and annoying. We get it. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've gone from kid and play to playing kids. Right. It's their, What their, are they called? Uh, immature. Immature. And they're the sort of new... They're, well, they're both a new... Uh, the new central musical act. Kind of but Kid and Play don't know play. that at this time, right? They don't even... They're not on their radar. They're just like... <laughs> it's it's so funny because both on and off screen, Kid and Play are like... Sort of uh, marginalized in their own movie. Right. I know. Um, but they're also a new demographic for us to deal with, right? So... True. And this and the movies keep doing this. They keep the the, the main characters uh, from this point onwards will all be different ages of children. Yes, right. And the, but this is the youngest, I think, of all. For of sure. Um, the youngest that they go, which just goes to show you can be you can be making any kind of movie, but if it's a sequel, <laughs> yes. you're eventually gonna end up with kids. <laughs> Stick around long enough. Yeah. Your only choices are kids or space. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting, given that I don't think this is the kind of movie where you need to explain why Sydney is absent, that they take the time. I know, to right? Explain why Sydney is yeah. absent. The nephews I mean, bring given, up. Given what we've just said about, you know, the the, the, the timeline of the last film doesn't. Right. Seem yeah, to exactly. They ignore that, but they think, in their minds, they think, listen, even though he's woken up or, or was dreaming about and then woke up with another woman. Yeah. So it's plainly evident that he has a different relationship. We'd better explain it. And I got to say, to me, this tests the limit of what counts as a special appearance because. She's in a lot of this movie. Oh, you think? Well, like three scenes, which is, you know, if you, if the, if you, as you know, the baseline for me for this is, even though it's not called a special appearance, is Charlton Heston in Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Yes, of course. And I think this is more screen time than he has. I don't remember her. I remember two scenes. Oh, there's at least three. There's, there's, there's the nightmare at the beginning. There's the when she meets his fiance. In meets the, the fiance. Store. I forgot about the nightmare, and, and then, then she's at that, the end. That scene that goes on forever yeah. in the hotel. With in the, the hotel. Party. Yeah. Which is which is kind of really three scenes because they go, you know, they have the they they start the argument, they uh, come to blows, and then they come back together. So that's like three scenes basically. <laughs> Don't um, they do that all in like ninety seconds? So was this just them sort of like on set going? Do you mind just staying a little bit longer? Maybe, yeah. We've thought of we've thought of something else you can do. Because as we mentioned in the previous episode, she she's right in the middle of of Martin, now. Right, and so's Martin, but Martin's not there. Yeah, exactly. He's right. been replaced that's by Stinky. By Stinky, that's why. The notes. first time you see Stinky, you go, well, "That's who Martin Lawrence. Is. <laughs> that's who Martin Lawrence is <laughs> yes. now." <laughs> <laughs> Stinky is the Martin surrogate. Uh, it's it's kind of we have not it, traded up. 
No, we've 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 not traded up. No, not at all. But he's the new hanger on for this movie. Sure. Um, except, well, I mean, you know, no nobody's gonna come back. But if they made it like a house party four with kid and play, conceivably Stinky could still have been a part of it. Right. <laughs> he's not gonna do a Martin Lawrence. That would have been fun to see. You know, like. If they kept have, making these I have with so kid many and play, questions from this movie, right? Yeah, like who like, who would have stuck around? Exactly. Yeah, but I was naive to think that the next movie would have any relation to this one. Yes, exactly. Well, and then uh, so then we go to uh, see and meet Showboat. Yes, absolutely. And that meeting um, goes poorly. It certainly does with the and you know the honey heavies that felt like a a shift in tone to putting women's in roles that only mm-hmm. men played in the previous uh, two movies. Um, of course, you know, you you know what I'm focusing on in this scene, which is the the Rottweiler and how <laughs> yeah you only ever hear it being aggressive off screen because I know I know from experience it's very hard to. <laughs> <laughs> to, to like defy the sweet nature of a Rottweiler, the sweetest animals on earth. <laughs> so you're actually going to get no shots of them barking or looking aggressive. And every time they are on screen, they're just like, you know... Docile. They just, just had this giant smile. Docile with a giant <laughs> smile on their face. Which is a, which really jeopardizes the, whole, the kind of central slapstick scene of the movie which of the, is right yeah i was just gonna say you can't that... actually get a rottweiler on screen chasing looking like chasing someone unless they're doing it with a big smile on their face because someone threw a ball <laughs> and you know there's some yeah and they you know they uh they use so tlc aka sex is a weapon are being used as a weapon to get kid and play out of out of trouble Right. Because they're managing them, question mark? Well, that's the setup. <laughs> that's the set. Okay, that is what happens, right? Yeah. And they talk about the Chitlin circuit, which is really interesting, because it's the, you know, the color divide of, of pop right. music touring for black artists at the time. It's like, do, do you play the Chitlin circuit, or do you play the mainstream? Yeah, uh, right. Like, cross-racial circuit. So I thought it was, I thought it was both, that was both interesting and... Ironic, given that TLC attained the, you know, and eventually Blew up, they, right. they're like, sure, we'll do the chicken circuit. But eventually they would achieve, cross, you know, unlimited mainstream success. They're a band who would have never had to play the circuit. <laughs> Maybe that's part of my problem, because my music ignorance. I thought they were playing a TLC-like group. <laughs> I didn't know that they were TLC. Yeah, they're TLC. Yeah. It does say that in the opening titles. Does it? I also get them it confused says TLC with Salt and Pepper. As se- TLC as sex is a weapon. Maybe I was... You pause for those sorts of things. Maybe I... <laughs> to write shit down. <laughs> Perhaps I was looking down when that credit came up. <laughs> trying, trying to shave a few minutes off the time you spent preparing for this podcast. Always. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I like I I sort of like the way well I liked everything about TLC in in this this movie that's sort of the the musical highlight of the movie for me 
but yeah. I like the way that they incorporate the three-way musical dynamic of the band into their dialogue. So yes, right. They talk as a trio. I know that was a kind of cute way of of uh, translating their sort of musical style into. There was uh, that, and they do live, try to live action. I mean, it's all live action, but you know what I mean. Yes, but there's there's cartoonishness. This there's cartoonishness within the like, especially these front two movies. There's lots of cartoonishness yeah. in both of these sequels, and. But I do. I did like the sort. Of, I like that, like what you were saying, the idea of their sort of uh, three-way talking. But that yeah. within that, they're trying to individualize. There's lots of. I I think people that were in the know at the time might have known more about. Uh, I don't know which one it is that keeps kind of making weird sounds as she talks. But yeah, it was amusing to me. <laughs> like it did. Yeah, it did no, get, absolutely. Yeah. It got chuckles out of me. So I think that's that's Lisa Left Eye. I think. If you say that. so. Uh, R.I.P. Oh, dead? Yeah. For All quite right. a long time now, though. She died She died very young. Um, oh. Well, having said that, I also did notice that one of them looks directly in the camera. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed that, too. It's not just, you know, sometimes, sometimes when you bring musicians into, <laughs> into the performance world. They're thinking video. Yeah, it doesn't always translate. Uh, I tell you what, why don't we take a break? Yeah. And then we'll come back. We'll we'll continue on with House Party 3. Absolutely. All right. Let's see right that. after this. Yes. <laughs> we'll be right back. I like to think I know something about beer, but nowadays even I get overwhelmed when confronted by the exhaustive selection of craft beers they have at bars, breweries, and even grocery stores. Back in the day you had one, maybe two craft beers to choose from, and if you were confused, you ordered a Guinness. But in beer stations like San Diego, the craft beer options lately are in double, sometimes even triple, digits. So what's a beer drinker to do? You need what I need, the Vegas Beer Guys. Your beer of choice should be a perfect blend of malt and hops. And so a live show about beer needs that same balance. And the Vegas Beer Guys matches beer expert Dan Aker with self-proclaimed beer novice Stephen J. Weiss. The results are eminently drinkable. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They'll try new beers. They'll tell you about beers. Think of them as your beer sherpas guiding you up a foamy-headed mountain to reach the peak of your pint. God, I need a beer. And we're back. Tom and I are here. We're chatting House Party 3. The basically last of the kid and play involved house party movies. <laughs> the last meaningful house party. Yeah. Movie. <laughs> well, I don't know. You know, we'll, one of these days we'll get around to that reboot. We will. They got to be in it. <laughs> you think? Yeah. Well, it's a it's a conversation for the next two episodes, but you know, as far as I'm concerned, there's three reboots. <laughs> of this series. You're right. This is this the the, the twenty twenty 
three one is just it's the third know. and last reboot. Yeah, exactly. It's just the most recent. Uh, all right, where were we? Uh, I'm well. I I'm at the jail themed butchers. Yes, which I thought was a nice piece of set design. Good bit of visual comedy. And a fun commentary on you know society in general. Yeah. Prison, people of color in prison, and readjusting to society—that kind of thing. Yeah, I get it. There's a better one later, but this is pretty good. <laughs> okay. Um, and I I forgot to mention something I really liked, which was a which was reminded me that co- comedies can experiment with visual style. Mm-hmm. Despite what we, despite what the people who write reviews think. <laughs> um, uh, in the opening scene, when the phone rings in Play's apartment, or the apartment of whatever woman he's with. Yes. Um, I, think, I think is the implication. Uh, the phone, they did kind of mount the phone to the camera and have it zoom in. Or have it, like, track to the... Oh, yeah. I thought it was, like, a really nice kind of visual device. All right. Like someone had put some thought into that. At some point, oh, it's... uh, Let's just do it differently. I wrote, because Showboat, it's funny to watch Mm -hmm. movies in little time capsules, you know? So it's 1994, and they're at Showboats, and somebody picks up the landline, and he says, that better be local. And I just just remember thinking, like, a teenager watching that movie now and thinking, what the hell does that mean? (laughs) Like, remember how, how... Like if you went to any parent's house, it was like, so "Don't you make all a long your phone calls were f- Yeah, before all your phone calls were free on various yes. in- internet apps. <laughs> we cared about a very strange <laughs> distinction. Yeah, <laughs> that was entirely geographical. In fact, fe- I mean, it feels like I don't know. This feels like a, and you know, obviously, this is a, a more of a more broadly comic than the last film. Yeah. But it also feels more raw, like, less kind of sanitized. It, like, it Well, that's... There's a lot more... Like, they drop the N-word a lot more. In so movie, I, I that's think. my next co- topic of conversation for you. Yeah. I wanted to know what you thought of that with I today's eyes. I don't remember hearing it in House Party 2. No, not, not... I can't remember... Which makes me think there was a conscious effort to avoid using it. Maybe, yeah. Whereas here, and I was wondering how much this this has to do with, you know, social changes towards re, like reclaiming the words, using it kind of positively, against racists, and whether well, because we've given play to that before in a you know culturally speaking, African Americans taking that word back from the you know from Quentin Tarantino, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the negative connotation and trying to own it themselves. But hearing it over and over and over again, again, it's like one of those things that, like, it just starts to bum me out. It bums me out less, you know, this is this is the same year as Pulp Fiction, right? True. I'd rather hear it in this movie, like, you know. Okay, people yeah. People who can, who can own it. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it just... I, I didn't really have, you know, I, I didn't really feel one way or another about it. I, okay. I, just, I just felt, I was just struck by 
It was just there a lot, I noticed. It was there a lot, and it felt like we never heard it in the, the second film, which make, makes kind of sense given the project of the movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and this is a division in black culture that, that goes back way further than this. You yeah, know, Richard, right, yeah. Richard Pryor in the 70s stopped using the word, mm-hmm. you know, after he went to Africa. and Yeah, and he said, I'll never he, use that word again. Right. So... I think, you know, it's that tension in, in reverse. House Party 2, you know, it, it, it's about it's it's about the black college experience and it's about black people bettering themselves. And so it might sort of seem out of place in a movie like that. Okay. No one's trying to better themselves in this movie. <laughs> no, so yeah, that's true. It's just kind of a free-for-all, really. Yeah. But, it, you know, and it's like, you know, what what is, what's the degree? the degrees of realism there like is it better to aspire to not using it is is that a better project or is it better to just represent how yeah. it might be used in everyday terminology Col- yeah, like, I, I don't know yeah. I, I i could see arguments both ways as long as quentin tarantino is not using it and saying it's okay for him to use it i'm fine <laughs> i love the fact i love the fact that the the person that he kind of that he chooses to discuss that with is Bill Maher of all people like <laughs> the one guy who also doesn't have a problem using that word well and, 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 until it got him into a lot of trouble yeah and then he decides to complain about having to apologize all the time so right. I don't think it was particularly genuine Candy <laughs> uh, Alexander who's an a- actor I really like She's one yes. of my favorites. Uh, News, oh, TV wait. shows of all time. Yeah, new, me too. News radio. Oh, that's a different show. Treme is mine, and she's in both of them. So there you go. All right. <laughs> For different reasons, she's one of our favorite actors. <laughs> I have still not watched Treme. Well, if you like Candy Alexander, I would say um, jump go and in watch with it. both feet. Yeah. I think it's better than The Wire, as far as I'm concerned. Wow. Heavy praise. Yep. It sure is. She's great. And she's great in this movie. She she is, yeah. And she's necessary as well. I think she's mm-hmm. a necessary character. Although some of her dialogue does have that kind of clunky uh, feel to it where... You know, you begin by saying the relationship of the person you're talking to. Yes. So she's like, look, I'm your cousin or you're my yes. cousin. Sort of like, <laughs> sort of like, ah, come on, we're better than this. Well, and also <laughs> both both she and play seem to be on the same page at the beginning of this movie in which mm-hmm. they're both questioning the, the choices yeah. of their friends in why are you getting married? Why are you doing this? Why are you blah 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 blahing? And then they turn very quickly hmm. in support of their friends by the end of the movie without any real motivation other than that's how they should have been the entire time anyway. True. <laughs> yeah, there's not much of an arc for anyone here. Yeah. And it's so you know, essentially they've replaced college with marriage. Yes, right. Because it's exactly the same tension between kid and play, but just a different vehicle for it. Just a different subject, yeah. Different delivery system, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> and as we know, college doesn't exist in the timeline, so mm-hmm. it's fine. Isn't it about now we meet Uncle Vester? Uncle Vester, 
Yeah, Bernie. <laughs> I was gonna say if Gilbert Gottfried came in hot, so does Bernie Mac. Man, does he come in hot! It's at this point I'm starting to feel bad for Kid and Play because they're being acted out of their own movie. <laughs> they're the headliners so. here, and these scene stealers keep coming in and sort of <laughs> obliterating them from the frame. I mean, literally, and the way this scene ends up, you know, he comes into the room and. There's, there's so much Bernie Mac in the room that all Kid can do is just leave. Yeah, exactly. That's my note. Talking to himself. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's not even like, you know, when, when a stand-up comedian comes into a film, they, you know, they do part of their routine in dialogue. But this movie doesn't even bother disguising it as dialogue. Kid no. just walks out and he's just there doing his stand-up routine to, to no one. <laughs> and, you know, all that, like... He's doing his own pilot for his titular sitcom. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> because he comes in the room and two seconds later he's talking about beating children, which seems to be just like his thing, right? His, his, <laughs> his stand-up is based on routines about beating his children, as far as I can tell. And his and his sitcom was about beating children. The right to beat children was at the centre of that as well. Like, But it's, it, it was. it's funny you say that because... Not funny about the beating of the children, but... Well, but he, the, he makes it funny. I mean, that, that was... Yeah. You've got to be something of a comic genius if you can make that material funny. And funny, that's true. But to me, it was it was so Bernie-focused, and it I, I almost started to get kind of off-put by it, even though oh, it's absolutely. Bernie Mac... That because the you know it's 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 an actor that to me doesn't understand what's happening in the movie because no, they're no. trying to take over. <laughs> or, like or this is not he... how a movie is supposed to go. And like you said, kid has to leave just so he can have his rant. Or even that he's in a movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. I think if you you know we we can't now because there's a lot of people who've died in these these movies. That's um, true. <laughs> but we can't now. But. If we were to ask Bernie Mac if he did House Party Party Three, I'm not sure he'd have any memory of doing exactly. it. I remember going into a house and doing my stand-up acts and then leaving. But I don't know what it was for. I don't know. I didn't know there were cameras there. Nobody else mattered. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's um. The next note I have is about the the three blind rappers. The the disability comedy they went for? The disab- yeah, and I was trying to figure out I was trying to pick out what kind of disability comedy it was. Right. So and I meant to look up whether these guys were actually blind or not, because that changes everything. Yeah, right. <laughs> if they're actually blind, then it's Ray Charles and the Blues Brothers. If they're not, it's just ableist comedy. <laughs> yes, right, right. Doesn't their license plate say look out? And it <laughs> If I'm being perfectly honest, I was too scared to look it up. All right. I don't think it would go my way. <laughs> yeah, there's there's lots of little s- sidebars in this movie because you're jumping from Kid and Play, who we've already mentioned are kind of acted out of the movie, but that's the the marriage storyline. And then all of a sudden you're going to be with Bernie Mac. You're going to be with Immature. Every... Don't forget um, Aunt Lucy. And Aunt Lucy. Dementia. <laughs> you never thought dementia could be that funny, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Watching that ass. 
it's so it's so funny because the first time I, I saw her I was like oh they have to like she's a young actress and they have to make her up to look like she's 60 or whatever yeah and then right. I looked up the age of the actual actress she's about the same age as the character's supposed to be but they still they just have to like put her in aging makeup <laughs> they have to so she looks it. her age right <laughs> And all the all the associated stereotypes of black don't crack. Well, and then we get a like. There's a couple of things after this. Like, there's a couple of things in succession where I thought this movie and its comedy is not hitting me where I want to be hit. Because we have mm-hmm. we had disability comedy. We had immature sexualizing like 13, 12 year old girls. I mean, granted, yes. they're their age, but. The well, camera they, wasn't, but and the, it felt the really weird. Is, the bit is not as pathological as you're making out. It's so the bit they're trying to they're basically doing their own mini version of the original house party. This is like how Muppet do you know Baby's you haven't seen party. it? What? No, no, you know what I mean of the house party <laughs> formula. Even okay. the last movie, it's Muppet <laughs> Baby's house party. Yeah, right. That's what they're going for. But it comes you across know, weird, Tom. I don't disagree, but All right. I, I understand. A, a better. Well, hang on. I've got movie. one more because okay. right after. So <laughs> we have the disability comma comedy. We have the sexualizing of very young women. And then Chris T- Tucker is pulling yeah. a wad of money out of his dick in front of very small children. <laughs> I didn't care for that. Did you did you think Chris Tucker was going to come back at some point? Oh well, I I so or is that's... he too big a star by this point to do more than this one tiny cameo? Oh, I don't know. I I didn't I didn't put it in a. It's uh... post Friday, right? It's definitely post Friday, and yeah, probably a couple of Friday sequels. <laughs> Tune in next year when we cover that series, everyone. <laughs> After the. After we're cancelled for doing house party, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I, you know, I I didn't uh, I didn't timestamp it in that way, but I remember oh. thinking this movie starting to feel like it has a fetish. But but that joke. But to your point about the comedy falling flat, that joke, you know, that 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 character only works if he comes back again. Right. Yeah. And it seemed to me that. There was no chance of that happening because Chris Tucker is, is the biggest celebrity in the film. In the entire movie. He's the most right. famous person in the film. So, you know, in wanting to have all these cameos, they're sort of, they're limiting what they can do comedically sometimes. Yeah. And this felt like, this felt like one that, you know, you just should just cut out of the movie or put in the blooper reel or something. Cause it's like, well, and that's the other thing is, you know, a lot of, I mean, maybe I should give the movie a bit of a break on this because it is fairly broad all the way through. But a lot of this feels like Chris Tucker came on set or Bernie Mac comes on set and they're they're just like, well, he go dr- ahead. He do- drove Bernie Mac to set. One yeah, day. exactly. You and know? they were like, come in, come in. T-shirt come on in. Here. We got her to stay for 10 more minutes. If if you've got the time, <laughs> if you've got a half hour, just do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. That's what Gilbert this movie Godfrey's feels like. Just wandering around exactly, the studio. Exactly. Yeah. He was. He was. He was on set to do some kind of roast, and they yeah. were like, "Come on over." 
the you know the roast of Noriega or something like that. Yeah, yes. Um, <laughs> uh, so I have a note here: the word "retarded" and "beepers," both stuff you could put in '90s movies, but not after. Yes. Enough said. I can't remember what movie it was. There was a movie we watched recently that I said it was, you know, an, it, it, like a compulsion, like it was an equal opportunity, like trying to diminish everyone and anyone it could. Got to be Bad News Bears. No, it wasn't. It was something <laughs> else. <laughs> But that's what this movie felt like to me. No, no that's uh, that is very targeted racism. No <laughs> I mean, it's the classic it's the classic argument for racist comedians, isn't it? It's like taking pot shots at everybody, at everyone. Yeah, I make fun of white people too. That's right, just disproportionately people of color. Yeah, um, I do remember that we talked about the the I should have said the R word. I shouldn't have, have repeated it. Um, in uh, Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home, it's said about Chekhov at one point. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, uh, but this is '94, so that's a whole eight years later. Yeah, but I mean, you know, we—it's still not on our radar at that point. No, oh, clearly. Yeah. But the only time I realize this is when I watch movies from, from yes. different periods of history. And I go, whoa! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, I, I try not to say <laughs> offensive things to people in general in my life. And then I hear stuff, you know, I was like, like, whoa, nobody's making a big thing out of that. It must have been okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> Hollywood certainly has is has had a lot of blind spots for a lot of time. And the truth is, you know, they'll, especially comedies, will do what they can get away with. And I yeah, I, I right. agree that they should be on the very edge of of political correctness. Yeah. So, but they, uh, the, you know, there is there are still terms that date very quickly. Sure. And this is one of them. Well, and it's, you know, if you take a look at, uh, like, a Blazing Saddles. Right. Which has you know, a political... Gonna... It's different because it has a political purpose behind it. That's what I mean. It's it's yeah. all about who you're at, who the joke is actually aimed at. Yeah. This man is a... Cleavon Little is the smartest person in that movie. <laughs> smartest character. You know yeah. what I mean? And, so... you know, it was about racism in, in the Holly, Hollywood yeah. Western. You know, it's probably right. the... the, the the most progressive movie in terms of pointing out racism in the Hollywood movie. Right. In the Hollywood exactly. Western. But that's not this movie. Nope. <laughs> I mean, not even, not even I would try. To not even that. for I a really second. Like this movie. <laughs> Is there a sense that, well, we would don't, we'll, we'll, won't find out until we've seen the original, but are they, are they trying to slot uncle Vester into the role of kid's dad? Is this, is, is that his kind of surrogacy here? Because he talks about his dead dad a lot. Yeah, because it it, but it in not, feels in not glowing terms, which I kind of right. like because it undercuts some of the sentimentality of that in the last film. of the last movie. Because he doesn't he well, say something like he still owes me money or something like that. Yeah, something like that. 
But I did find it interesting because neither one of us has seen the first movie. It was, but it was still in 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 Imbas terms and sequel terms, it's obviously he's a surrogate for the father. Yeah. But I I, I think that I think that was. But like, also the, sense, the complete guess, opposite a of a character. character and, and Bernie Mac is not a real character. Correct. It yeah. Was, right. I like. I feel no obligation to call him Uncle Vester. He's Bernie Mac. Right. Also, why Vester? It sounds too much like Uncle Fester, which I is... I think that's the joke. Is that the... Th- okay, so that's yeah, that's what that's they're going the... for? They think that's funny? To quote Rainier Wolfcastle, that's the joke. <laughs> that's great. And then we get to a scene that I, I kind of... I like and I think actually connects this movie to the last movie better than anything else in this film, which is mm-hmm. the sort of the scene where kid takes his fiance no goes to his fiance's in laws house. Oh because, man! <laughs> which ends up in gunplay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I found that scene kind of frustrating. Frustrating in, in what way? I mean, it probably sounds too woke, but it just seemed weird that that clearly middle to or upper middle class black family mm. degenerates all into gunplay. But that's the joke, right? That's the comedy of it. It's basically yeah, it's I don't turning know. It the Cosby right. show on its head and sort of like. Okay. It's like yeah. it, like it, it's I don't sort know. Of like it's sort of saying you know that the idealization of you know, the uh, middle-class black character in media is sort of being turned on its head here. Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels regressive to me still. Okay. It Well, it is. It, it's, again, it's sort of, again, what do you value more? Is it you value House Party, the House Party 2, which is... Right, yeah. Over-idealized, I mean, but... or do you want it to be, like, yeah. too, too on the nose, too... Like absurd, I guess it's like it's an absurd. That's it. Yeah, that's you know. I guess maybe of, I of maybe I just be happening, which is to me a kind of how common how a lot of comedy works. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was something I kind of quite liked about it is like the the juxtaposition of how insanely deadly the violence was, and but the characters themselves yes, right. laugh, laughing it off, you know, and that was, I don't know, there was something in that that I thought is very true of families in general, sort of like, you know, when, you, when you're when you in a crazy family, none of it seems crazy, it just seems like, you know, harmless eccentricity, but from the outside, there's, there's a guy with a knife and a gun chasing you down the street. There was one, there was one thing within the whole thing that I found, I did find amusing, and it was, it was the daughter... And her reaction to yeah. everything, because she did seem like, you know, as though, well, this is how a lot of our dinners go. Exactly. You know, yeah, that's what I like. And so about that it, part yeah. of it, that, was, that was the one part. Yeah. Yeah. That was the one part that made me go, OK, at least I think they know what they're doing. She's like the in terms of, in terms of the comedy, in terms of it being a, a joke. She's the Marilyn. It's like Marilyn in the Munsters, isn't it? Like the Munsters. Yeah. Are right. Right. Because Marilyn is part of the family. Mm hmm. Um, and then, you know, there's a piece of coming up, there's a piece of gross out comedy that made me physically sick. Probably the most effective piece of gross out comedy I've ever seen in my life, which is the toe jam cracker 
where Showboat <laughs> puts Showboat puts his toe jam on a cracker and serves it to kid and play. Like even talking about it now, I can feel stuff moving around in my stomach. <laughs> the most disgusting thing, and the visual they've got, like this little fucking ramekin <laughs> full of toe jam. I don't know what they used to make that toe jam, but it looks like they punched a slug to death and then slapped it in a <laughs> Just ramekin. Just put it in. Oh, I have to tell you, me. I I don't remember that part. Good well. I'll never forget it. I guess I dodged a bullet. You did, yeah. Don't there was a moment where he he's got like a whole cheese. He's got like a charcuterie for them, and part of the charcuterie is he's put his toe jam in a ramekin, and then he spreads it on a cracker like it's wow. like it's a, like it's brie, and then tries to feed it to kid and play or hmm. kid or kid or play. I don't remember which. <laughs> My memory of it ends at which kid, which character it was who ate it, who had to eat it. I must have gone in a fugue state. Maybe this is when I realized there was a fifth movie, <laughs> a fourth sequel, <laughs> or a yeah, fifth sequel. And then you, there's a showboat has. Uh, I mean, I I don't I don't count that as great because it it makes me so sick, but. You know, I've got to I've got to say, as a piece of gross out comedy, it's very effective because it makes me want to throw up. It but, certainly does gross you out. Yeah, um, but but just after this, when he's uh, going around town trying to find kid and play. Yeah, right. Uh, I one of the the hot the the best gag in the movie is the joke about the Motel Six in the hood that serves complimentary forty ounces in the lobby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then, of course, you know, like they they follow through on it. So the next time you see him in the car, he's got a forty next to it. He's got it, yeah. <laughs> and it, you know, it's something about like Showboat's performance, which is a little more refined than everyone else's. So you know, Gilbert Gottfried is that's just, true, is hot. yeah. And then you know, Bernie Mac is hot, but he says that line as if he really means it, <laughs> and it made me laugh. That guy, because I think I think his I think his name is Mitchell Coyer. That guy is playing a character. Exactly. And he's funny. Yeah. And surprising as well. Like, you know, and he goes to the uh he goes to the bachelorette party and then he just takes his clothes off and decides to join yeah, he the just stripper starts, on stage. And it's not he like, tries it's not to outdo really the stripper. Like it doesn't sort of go anywhere. It's just a character no, yeah. work played yes, out. Yes, exactly. And I love it. I think it's great. And you look at it. I did think that like, was funny. It's like, well, he doesn't have a terrible body, so it's not it's not like Danny DeVito in Friends or anything like right. that. It's like, but it's like, but his body's not as great as this guy's. But that's not the point. The joke is the character has just decided to get up there and start dancing with. The don't strippers. they also? Don't they also kind of have a moment where the women are looking at both and kind of trying to decide what? Yeah, they exactly. <laughs> like you know, like the the positives and the negatives of each man. And you know, we we buried the lead here because. In the last movie we talked about it, it took it took half of the movie before they decided to have yeah. a party. Right. This right. movie has three different house parties. In house it. parties. It should yes. be called Three House Parties, not House Party Three. <laughs> that would have been a better title for the movie. And so in, <laughs> now we're just into like cross cutting between the three right. parties. Since we're almost to the parties, why don't we take one more break and then we'll come back? Sure. All right. 
We'll do that, everyone. I'm going to watch a tape of the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> we'll be right back after this. If you like podcasts like I do, boy, do I have a treat for you. You need to stay on target and check out the Sounds and Cinema podcast. Listen as your host, sound designer and music creator, Tony Parham, and co-host, musical performer and sound lover, Derek Hansen, D-Rock if you're nasty, and I am, discuss all things sound related to film, television, stage, and theatrical productions. They discuss environmental sounds, bioacoustics, dialogue, the nature of communication through sound, but as an added bonus, they drink beer and try to... Stay on target! Find them wherever you get your podcasts and listen to the pure mania of a man who can charitably be described as Doug, the dog from Up, and another man with a soothing and sultry voice trying to get that man to... Stay on target! That's the Sounds and Cinema Podcast. Tune in and listen to the sounds they are creating just for you. Back one more time. Finishing up like with... this series. Yeah, with multiple house parties. <laughs> both in this movie and in two more movies. If anyone asks how many house party movies are, one too many. Oh, I don't know. I think two too many. We'll have to see. You'll have to pay for the privilege of finding out that information. When we cover <laughs> this on Patreon. Yes. Yeah, we're not done. We're not nearly done with the house party series. Who would have yeah. thought? Where were we? So we were about to have parties. Uh, right before that, we get to, you know, see Sydney again, right? She meets um, the wife. I think that was a little while back, but... Oh, did we miss... Did we miss one of Sydney's... Um... Yeah. 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 Uh... I said well, that was a nice surprise. We've had the... We've had the... Yeah, she she pops up at the at the clothing store, but I think we've yet... The parties have to get going before she comes to the the hotel. She's there celebrating her parents' anniversary or something. Some, some yeah, bullshit. I think so. Some, some bullshit. bullshit. Reason she's there. Yeah. Some bullshit reason to put her in the same place where Kit is. Yeah, exactly. So we've had our two out of three Sydneys. Yeah, two out of three. And because we have to have one last fight, right? Oh, between the two of them, one last argument. Yeah. What's well, a non-argument though, right? No, yeah, it turns into nothing 90 seconds later because both friends say, stop, what are you going to do? Not marry them? You've been, This is the happiest you've ever been. All oh, right, you're so, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that's right. So, yeah, in my head, it's Sydney and Kid are fighting, which essentially no. they are, but it's not. It's him and his fiance because yeah. she sees them kissing Sydney. And I thought I thought this was, let's say, good, but I like that they sort of resisted the low-hanging fruit of the Three's Company misunderstanding, like... It gets straightened out very quickly. Yeah, but they just go I mean, off there, to the fire escape. There's, like, there is, th no, there, there are three's company misunderstandings. They just never actually talk about it. Like they, they lapse. There's, there's one misunderstanding when he's upstairs, yeah, talking to his friends, and she's downstairs hearing them, and they're like, "Come on, you gotta have." I'm do not this saying and that do that, not get married. Last. I'm just saying that the film <laughs> has made the choice. 
<laughs> to not go down that road. But what and, I'm saying yeah. is the movie seemed to clearly make a choice that there was a misunderstanding, a Three's Company misunderstanding, and then just disregarded it. Well, we got Sydney for 10 more minutes. We're, we're trying to... True. We're trying to make the best of it. <laughs> yeah, un, un, unsurprisingly, those are not my highlights of the film. All right. Um... I think you know. I like the I like the hard cut of of how much fun they're having at the at the bachelorette party, and then going to kid and play, trying to figure out how to turn on a video. Yeah, right. I thought that was a good juxtaposition. And of course, the you know the the swapped video videos, tape, which you know a tr- tried and tested comic bit. So, so for any any uh, people listening and having trouble following along who have not seen this movie, what's really happening in this movie is the nephews, immature, have tried to swap parties with Kid and Play. So they are having the good party, Mm -hmm. a bachelor party with the food delivered. Yeah, the food delivered by the prison inmates. And the porno and all the hot women and all the good music. Well, they're not watching the porn. But curiously, they're not watching the porn. No, yeah, no, that's true. They're using it to hold Aunt Lucy hostage upstairs. Hold Aunt Lucy upstairs, saying, what's going on down there? It's loud. Don't worry about it, Aunt Lucy. Just watch your video. Yeah. So it's like, are we going to extreme lengths? Yeah. To have at least. So, and here's the other thing. Like, there's only actually one house party, if you want to be technical about technical, it. Technical, yeah. There's a, ho- there's a, oh, there's no, a hotel party. The other one's in a house. The other one's a house. I guess there's so, the, bachel- parties, the bachelorette. Two house parties and a hotel party. Yeah. Um, But we have to go to quite extreme lengths. Like, they have to lock away an old woman. They have to con yes. everybody they meet in order yeah. for this to happen. Um, Including Chris Tucker. Uh, yes. So... Yeah, that's that's how it's so it's again once again kid and player eclipsed. Yes, yes, Even in their own when movie. It comes to holding house parties, which no wonder the they're not in the next movie. They would come out on top of, but they yeah. cannot. <laughs> so you know, there's a wistful quality about the kid and play in this movie. <laughs> in the sense that the audience thought they'd see more of them. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I guess compared to the next two movies, it's more. You get, you get, it's you get much more compared expected. to the next two movies. Yeah. This is but we go back know, to you know a lot of and the, and yeah. I was gonna say there's so there's stuff. lots of transphobia and there's a lot of yeah. anti-fat humor and there's you know. And the anti-fat humor is kind of curious because you know it like you you kind of. You prize sort of like some large body sizes are prized, and then others are denigrated. Right. Yeah. So there's a real double standard to it. And I seem to recall, because I made a note, I seem to recall there was a lot of transphobia humor in Naked Gun 33 and a Third. Oh, and that's the, the same year. It. Yeah, 19, is, it's the same the year, peak, 94. This is peak uh, transphobia time in Hollywood because there's Robocop 3 as well. Mm. Um, there's uh, Ace Venture, a pet detective. Yeah, which ends with a with a transphobic joke. 
transphobic plot twist, if you will. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. And it's always dated and unfunny. And yeah. it's always like, isn't it, the, you know, the idea of female identifying men is cause for you to throw up. That's always the... the That's the, always, yeah, it's always the one joke. Yeah. And, you know, I guess I guess also in... Not just in comedy, but also in drama, because that's what happens in the crying game. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But that is sort of the point of the movie, and they eventually get over it. Spoilers for Neil yeah, Jordan's right. crying game from 1992. 1992. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Rea was very surprised. <laughs> <laughs> he was e- e- even even more surprised than he was about. Forrest Whitaker's British accent. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know. So I think we're, we're... We're getting close to the end. We are. I mean, so essentially, this movie pass, is... So Kid and Play passed the gauntlet to immature, essentially. But and, and the younger generation of party animals. So they're passing it along, and then the other part is they have to go on with their producer lives... This is the kind of the funny part where, you know, you introduce, uh, sorry, what's their name again? Sex only. Sex is a weapon. Sex is a weapon. AKA TLC. So, sex is a weapon. And they've they've been absent. Yeah, they've they've been absent since the beginning of the movie. I guess presumably trying things on their own and just deciding, oh, this isn't working. Doesn't matter. But it's only been like 24 hours. There's no reason for them to come back to Kid and Play, but they're going to. Yeah, it's just... They're going to realize the error of their ways. Yeah, we're just wrapping multiple storylines into a happy ending. Everyone kind of has... We're tying off nice bows. An unprompted change of heart. Yeah, exactly. to everyone in these And we... I already mentioned this earlier, but the boat... the Tempest. (laughs) You're right. Both friends are going to pull through, and uh, the, the the two friends that have been dubious about this marriage are now going to cheerlead for the marriage. That's right. Yeah. And Kid and Play are going to sign uh, sex what? Sex is a weapon. <laughs> sex is a weapon. Change their name I'm to sorry. TLC, and then... TLC, yeah. That's Maybe that's what happened, is like the TLC became so successful that the... That the kid and play in the movie were too famous to be in the next couple of movies. in the in the, yeah in in the subsequent sequels. Actually, that that would be bo- in world that would be born out where how they reappear at the end of the fifth movie. Um, mm-hmm. Just something I want to mention: my favorite showboat's my favorite character. Part of the verbal comedy in the movie. Yeah, in terms of the visual comedy, my favorite. The character is the ex-con, not the jail butchers. No, the guy, the the big guy who turns up at, at two different house parties. Oh, that's right. Smashes yeah. the place up. It is just anarchic visual comedy at its best, <laughs> and it's such a basic bit. But that guy is so committed to it. He if is. You, if you watch though, I mean, he he's destroying things. With, it's like Animal from the Muppets. It's amazing. <laughs> And even the I forget what is he saying, now. That's an ex-con. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what does he find that pacifies him? 
I can't remember. But you're right, there is something. It's a CD or something, right? Yeah, isn't he, doesn't he get to DJ? Is that what it is? Yeah, I, I think that's right. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, which, you know, <laughs> that's, that, uh, that's going to come back in a couple of movies. The, the ability Indeed to it will. will. Yes. Will be a hotly contested... <laughs> Cutly contested plot points of who gets to DJ. <laughs> I had and a like, nostalgia you know, trip. Like the... Sorry? I had a nostalgia trip for this movie. Oh, you did? Yeah, because I saw somebody in the background with a slush puppy cup. Oh, right. Great. So, do you remember slush puppies? They were... They were sort of semi-available in England. That's all I okay. remember about them. I did. I remember growing up, not really seeing them and not really knowing what they were, what kind of a substance they were. Yeah, exactly. Is that your? It was like a Slurpee. It was like a Slurpee, but it was denser. Is it like? But it was also a little bit shaved ice, right? That was. Yeah, exactly. I was gonna say it was like beads of ice. That's what it seemed like. Fucking horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Thinking about it now, yes, I thought. I remember yeah. thinking, why did we like those so much? But, yeah. you know, it, it reminded kind of me like of, epi- uh, what's that yeah. episode on The Simpsons where they, uh, the squishy, where Bart and Milhouse both have the squishy and then they have an adventure for a day, you know? Boy Scouts in the hood. Yeah, yeah there you go. Reminded me of that. Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> not not to take us down a, a, slush, a slush puppy tangent. Go ahead. Um, I was just thinking about, like, at the time in, what was it, the 80s, 90s? Is that when they were sort of popular? Eight, yeah. Um, More the 80s, I think, but... It must have seemed like such, like, just all profit, right? Because you just put, you just, all you yeah, need to right. provide is the ice, and you just put flavoring in it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that stuff is so concentrated, it can last for a long time. But nowadays... Getting the ice is probably the expensive parts. Right, yes. It's probably more expensive to have that much water in your product. You need a Brewster's Millions kind of idea. What we do is we put a flag on this. We drive down the ice down to Chicago. That's right. Also, another <laughs> Simpsons episode, the uh, the Bobo episode. Right. Mr. Burns' Citizen, Citizen Kane episode yeah. where they, yeah, they bring the ice in from the... From the Arctic. From the it's like, yeah, well, three right. men last time. You can think of a better way to to make eyes. I'd like to tell. I'd like you to tell me. And you're no, all that's good for stuff. Me not doing the Apu voice. We're in, we're in we're in enough trouble as it is. So I'm not gonna end this episode by doing the Apu voice. Please don't. Yes. <laughs> And then, you know, then TLC still... Yeah, they do, right? So, again, it starts out as a kid and play number, and then TLC get involved. They steal the number from them, and then subsequently steal the film from them. Totally. And not to say that kid and play aren't a respectable musical act, because I I think every time... Yeah, right. Every time they do something musical, it's In these movies, it's good, yeah. They're surrounded by people who are better, and that's just factual. (laughs) Right. I love how the sequence is filmed, though, because it's... I put, because they... Do they say make some noise, or is that the name of the song? 
potentially both. Could be. But anyway, <laughs> I wrote, this is what I want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A def- this was definitely the, the entertainment highlight of the movie for me. Yeah. And it was filmed really well because, you know, it was filmed as a live performance. There was no yeah, right. or camera movement. It was just, um, which is a rec- is a kind of, especially, I guess, when some people who are known for making vid- music videos, which, you know, notoriously have a lot of editing in. Mm-hmm. It's a recognition of, you know, the attraction is the live performance. We don't need to dress it up. We don't. Yeah, exactly. Do right. Else. And they're absolutely right. You've got two kind of hit makers performing, mm-hmm. you know, doing a duet, two sets of hit makers. It was my favorite part of the movie. This is what I, yeah. you know, literally, I, I, I thought. I, I think I agree. I now I'm agree. liking it. Is there anything as well in there being like. Three uh, TLC or a trio, kid and player a duo. A duo. Oh, um, two to three. Immature or a, a trio as well. Yeah. So you yeah, know, they'd, it's if that they'd classic. Done, if they'd have done it's another that movie. Cla- it would have been boys to men. Yeah, <laughs> it's that classic sequel ramping up. This is yeah. this movie's version of sequel ramping up. Acts I, of three I'm instead of half, duos. No, I'm only trios. Sure that boys to men was four. Well, I just said, yeah, without knowing. Well. (laughs) (laughs) I just pretend. I I just pretend like you're right and assume it when you say those things. They'll just like run out of quartets and it'll be El Devo. (laughs) We won't even be like the same musical genre. We just need people who are. are Ladies and gentlemen, the Boston Pops. (laughs) The Beatles! (laughs) 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 <laughs> oh. <laughs> I hope I didn't do that too well or we'll have to pay for that. <laughs> That'll be fun to see, try and put that into YouTube and see if it's if the copyright makes me take it out. <laughs> <laughs> You're safe. Yeah, I think I'm I think I'm safe. That was the most generic sounding Beatles intro <laughs> the world's ever. That wasn't even the Ruttles. Yeah, right. And it ends with it ends with marriage, ends with yeah, a right. milestone for kids, even though the last milestone apparently didn't happen. Um, we don't know for sure, but we think we know for sure. <laughs> and at this point, I have a note here, are we going to walk this back like we did last time? So at this point, I must have had no foreknowledge that they weren't going to be in, in at least the next movie. Mm-hmm. How how naive was that of me? <laughs> <laughs> I do want to say, you know, the one thing that it seems like shouldn't work at all in this movie, which is bringing Tisha Campbell back. Oh, I, I said think Tisha is... Arnold, didn't I? Tisha Campbell, sorry, two Tishas. Both of them are in Little Shop of Horrors. Sorry. <laughs> uh, it's you know I, I think I point it's... that out because it makes me sound less racist. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, very well. Because they are traditionally well. cast together in several projects. That's true. They're both called Tisha. <laughs> I think this movie handles his moving on from a relationship that I assume is in both the first movie and the second movie <laughs> in a smart <laughs> way. And, and to have her come yep. back and still be a part of the movie 
and clearly only having her for a certain amount of time, but right. making the making most of that time. Mm. I I have to say I don't know that we've we've come across a sequel that has has done that quite as deftly as this movie did. It's weird. Like so I said, it's weird that I respect a lot. <laughs> it's weird that it cares about it at all. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um. So everything they do towards that is a is you know is a tick in their column. Agreed. Anything left for you beyond a credit check? Well, I've, I've kind of got a, tr- a transition, a transitional note. It's yeah. just the kind of weird non-ending. It sort of fades out to the credits really quickly while Bernie Mac is still mid, mid-routine. Mid, mid-going bananas. It sort of feels like the film, the film's ready to end. <laughs> <laughs> Even if the people on screen don't know it. Are not ready for you. It's over. It's over, guys. <laughs> Bernie, you've taken all the time we're going to give you. Yeah, so it's a strange... And, I, d- you know, looking back, I think I think the last third of this movie feels like it knows this is the last time Kid and Play will do a house party movie. But I don't know. You never know. Right. Yeah. I I, fe- I felt that before I knew that that was true. Mhm. Just from the tone of the of No, I think I agree the, with you. I think that yeah. I think that's what this movie does feel like. Yeah. Cuz not normally normally I'm just reading when I say those things I'm just reading too much into it, but it's before I knew I don't think it was so. True. Uh, before I knew it was actually true, I thought they were going to turn up in the next movie. <laughs> well, I didn't read ahead. <laughs> They do not. <laughs> they, they most certainly do not. <laughs> Tune in next week. Yeah. Oh, um, well, to yeah, get to that I'm movie. To, I'm on to credit check, so... All right, go ahead. Unless you have anything else. No, yeah, that was it for me. I mean, it's... Do you like it more now we've talked about it? <laughs> no. That just means... No, you're just like, no, I, I, I just like you. I don't actually like the movie. <laughs> you called it a good movie though, right? I did. And I called it a bad movie. I'm pretty sure you did, yeah. Yeah. And so for me it was just the the gap between 2 and 3 was much further than it was for you. And there is a gap. But for me it wasn't a gap about quality, it was just about approach. Okay. But I got different I got different things out of each of them. Okay. So I put them on the on the same level. Uh, but House Party Two is a slightly better all round movie, that's for sure. Agreed. Um. So now I don't understand the featuring distinction. So it says featuring, and then it's just the people who are in the movie. Like, oh, nor I would think featuring would have been TLC. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's and like, I guess maybe immature as well. Right, it's just it's it's just it's it's like both the most famous people in the film. And, and then it's like you go I, I would say featuring those two acts and then I would say with Chris Tucker and right. yeah. and Bernie Mac. That that distinction is not made. And Bernie Mac as Uncle Fester. Sorry, Vester. (laughs) 
Stupid movie. <laughs> that was what killed him in the end, you know? He put a, a light bulb in his mouth. Um, so f- uh, f- there are fi- five leads of the movie playing themselves. Yeah, right. And then many of the others in the movies are playing themselves, but with a different name. <laughs> Obviously, with you know, after a movie like this, I'm I'm bracing myself for the, you know, what they're gonna call the the sort of fat girl characters in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but right. I should have been. I also should have been prepared for what they call the trans character, which is completely the wrong label. They call oh, it no. transvestite. Oh, okay. Not transvestites, transgender at the very least. Um. The Dolly Grip is Michael Dolly Magic Jimenez. <laughs> so, two questions. He must have how a t-shirt. Nick- how does that nickname ever come up? Right. One. And two, how do you say it when you do bring it up? <laughs> do you go, Oi, Dolly Magic. Or do you go, Oi, Mike Dolly Magic Jimenez. I have to imagine somebody said, you really are magic with that dolly. Yeah. And then the t-shirts got made. I wonder how much consent there is by the actual people to their own nicknames. Sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, There's people working on sound called Dead Air and drivers whose nicknames are Crash. That's not good. These ironic nicknames that seem to rule out repeat work. (laughs) Um, The caterers are the cast supper. I can't imagine they get much work on the sets of religious movies. I was going to say, they're just, yeah. I think think, think they're going for wordplay. The Christian market there with their... (laughs) Don't expect a, a call from one Mel Gibson. Unless it's to, you know, unless you're Jewish and it's to abuse you verbally. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's it. That's the end of my credit check. All right. That's it then. Yeah. House Party 3 in the books. Uh, Coming up next. <laughs> coming up next, a low point. <laughs> House Party 4, down to the last minute. <laughs> now, now is your chance to really try and turn me around because I put 4 above 5, not based on like quality. I will, blind, I will blind you with reasons that this is the worst movie in the series. You'll have to wear sunglasses, there'll be so many of them. And you're not going to be able to argue any of them. Nope, I'm not. So I don't you're, know. You're what, right about I don't know that. How, I don't. Yeah. All you're going to be able to say is, yeah, but the next film is worse. Exactly. We're in a Halloween kill <laughs> end and then, situation. And then we'll have to wait till we get to that movie. <laughs> and the roles will be reversed. Right. I, but and the roles will be reversed would be going, yeah. Yeah, you're right, you're right, but it looks like these people have once picked up the camera, so still not the worst in the series. 
Oh, that's great. The next two, next two episodes are going to be something wild. You got that right. We're in unprecedented territory here. <laughs> I'll say. We're in, we're in direct-to-video hell. <laughs> yeah, these movies are not good. Uh, so, so look forward to that, everyone. Mm-hmm. All right, you're gonna for 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 the time being, you're gonna have to tell us what you think of House Party Three, the 1994 sequel. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Send that email to Everything Sequel. Like this movie, write in. <laughs> I'm feeling very alone. <laughs> this is your favorite movie as a child. Tom needs a friend. You can be my Samaritans for this, okay? S- I just send need a- someone to talk to about it. <laughs> send an email to everythingsequel at gmail.com. Join our Patreon. Please, uh, you know, subscribe, download, rate, and review. I think that's it. Watch us on YouTube. Yeah, watch us on YouTube. There you go. Watch-alongs, video watch-alongs, and full episodes. We have so much content for you. It's almost unfair. (laughs) (laughs) But unfair to whom? Right. That's for you to find out. There's only one way to find out. (laughs) All right, for Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions, Michael Schantz here of the How Dare You Awards. Next time, you got it. It's House Party 4, down to the last minute. Say goodbye to everybody, Tom. That's not turtle, that's ass. <laughs> oh, Aunt Lucy. Oh, 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 Aunt Lucy with your obvious dementia. <laughs> All right, everyone. Have a nice day. <laughs> <laughs>